what is going on? Welcome to episode 5 of Just Bleed Radio. Today is September 17th, 2023. I'm your host, Lazy Bed, and I'm joined by a few of my closest compadres. From the West Coast, Best Coast, the man no special is in the flesh. Across the sea, but he don't drink tea. Danger Mouse is in the house. And the madness in the middle, he demands, he specked. It's Super Dave Fairtex. We got a full slate ahead. So with that said, boys, how was your noche? Um, unfortunately for me, I did not watch it live. However, I did get to watch the uh, main event and the rest of the card afterwards um, this morning. Uh, it looked like a great fight card um, afterwards, uh, although on paper I would not have said that <laughs> coming into this. But uh, it ended up being a very great night. I enjoyed it very much, although there was some things that <laughs> kind of stand out from the rest of them. But uh, no, I definitely enjoyed the card, more or less. Well, my noche was pretty good. I thought the uh, card delivered uh, overall. You know, a good amount of finishes. Uh, Most of the fights that went to a decision, I thought were pretty good. Um, I enjoyed the theme card. And uh, overall, it was a good noche for me. Yeah. um, Much like uh, Nil Special, I didn't get to watch it all live. I I tried to stay up and I was falling asleep by the time the main uh, card was coming on so i just abandoned ship and went to bed and uh came down and watched it this afternoon very nice uh, chilled with a cup of coffee uh enjoyed it on the whole no complaints at all uh there was obviously some interesting decisions but we'll be getting to those later no doubt well not much of a fiesta none of us had any cervezas uh no, no real celebrations at all huh well, I had some, right. I had some super shake. I didn't, I drank water, but I had some super shake, and <laughs> it was super festive in here. I did not I have margaritas, but I did have a couple of cervezas. Oh, margaritas would have been a good call. I didn't think of that. Unfortunately, my inner look, Thomas, was not around. <laughs> <laughs> next time, there's always next time. Absolutely. <laughs> No, just beer and bourbon for me last night, and then, like I said, coffee this afternoon. Beer and bourbon. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which came first? The beer came first. <laughs> Madman. The beer came first, isn't yeah, it? That's the wrong beer order. Beer than liquor, you get sicker quicker. Liquor than beer, have no fear. Like, did you get sick or anything? No, no, no. Hmm. Interesting. Must be the must be the opposite in the, over in the uh, in the pond <laughs> over the. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that checks out the science behind it. The flip side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, all right. I think it's time to get things cracking. We're going to jump right into uh, segment one here. Crossover Shevchenko two now in the books. A five round war ending in a split draw. Alexa Grasso retains her flyweight championship in a fight that saw many MMA fans as divided as the judges. This now makes one win and one draw for Grasso against the Bullet, who now finds herself in an interesting position moving forward in this peculiar rivalry. Uh, Personally, I wasn't exactly through the roof about this event going in with the seemingly non-existent promotional coverage and countless fights that fell off the card. Uh, But after this main event, I was sold all over again. These two women are so well-matched. They're well-versed in their fields. Uh, honestly, I think it's a fucking treat to watch them compete. And despite 
it, not really having a dog in the race, or if you had a particular dog in the race, this was top tier women's MMA. It doesn't get much better than this. Uh, I won't comment too much on the results because I'm a little bit biased towards Grosso, but I will say that a draw in a title fight is a bit anticlimactic. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see if we ran this back a third time. So with that being said, what were you guys' thoughts on this decision itself and the fight as a whole? I'll happily start off with a bit of a breakdown. Uh, round one, I had uh, Shevchenko uh, taking that round, but it was very close. I wouldn't massively have objected to it going either way. Round two, we had Grasso with the knockdown that sent Valentina literally head over heels. Um, so that was clearly her round. I know Valentina came back and uh, kind of took took a bit of uh, position there, but uh, still Grasso is clearly her round. Uh, three Round three, I have uh, on my note Shevchenko dominant positionally, uh, plus she had the guillotine attempt. So that was pretty much her round. No argument there. Round four, Grasso made an early mistake. There was there was some striking. She was getting the advantage. And then uh, she ended up on the floor with Shevchenko, which I thought was a, a bit of a mistake because I think Shevchenko ended up on top. Uh, but Grasso recovered very nicely, got back to her feet. Uh, so I was I have a question mark, but I gave that round to Grasso. Um, I did say that maybe there was some damage inflicted by Shevchenko that could have edged it in her favour. But on the whole, I gave it to Grasso. So I had the fighter, and I had the fight at two-two at that point. Uh, the commentators all on the UFC all had it at two-two. I saw Aaron Bronstetter's tweet; he had it at two-two. Uh, so I don't think that's a massive, um, you know, uh, radical statement to make. Um, and then round five, I I thought Grasso took it fairly easily. I know there's some back and forth, but I think finishing... I know Shevchenko started off well with the boxing, but then once Grasso uh, kind of got her, got her down, got her hands tied up, was hammering her down on the ground. I thought, you know, as Eric Nixick said uh, last week to Sean Strickland, optics, and that just looked like she took that round from Shevchenko. I think that just burnt into the eyes of the judges. And then the... the so I, I would have had it 3-2 for Grasso, I wouldn't have massively objected if someone said it was 3-2 for Shevchenko because it was very close. And then, of course, the judges blew me away by saying, you know, um, split draw, which <laughs> is very unusual and certainly so in a title fight. But in a strange way, I kind of think that is a good result for the fight. It's close enough that it could easily be considered a draw and no one got robbed, really, I don't think. So, yeah, I don't hate the result, but that 10-8 at the end to, to swing it that way, that was very dubious, uh, to say the least. And I'll leave it at that on this fight. Hmm. Yeah, I rather enjoyed this fight. Uh, you know, it was highly competitive. Uh, I agree with most of what you said about how the fight went. Um, I just find it unusual how... Valentina almost has a pattern throwing fights away now. Like, if she wouldn't have went for that, like, head and arm throw or whatever, like, in round five, it probably would have been her fight. But she fucked up, did that, got her back taken again, 
It's like she did the same kind of thing in the uh, second Nunes fight where she probably could have had the decision, but she tried to take down in round five and kind of failed and kind of threw the round away. Um, I don't really know what she's thinking, but I thought she did a lot better this fight. Obviously, there was like, I don't think there was any spinny strikes, maybe one. Um, but Grasso did really good competitive uh, in the early rounds. Slip boxing as usual, but I don't know, man. Just, I can't. The right fighter won, and so I'm actually kind of glad. I th- I thought that Grasso won, and I hate the 10-8, but if he didn't give the 10-8, then Valentina would have won, and I thought she didn't deserve to win because of, you know, making such a mistake in the fifth round. So, uh, in the end, the universe kind of balanced itself, and uh, the right outcome was made. That's about all I have on it. Um, If you're going to ask me, I thought it was an extremely competitive fight, and I had kind of for saw Valentina shoring up her um, defense a lot more in this uh, second uh, fight or the rematch. Um, looking at the fight to begin with, we looked at Grasso being the better boxer and Valentina sh- like came in with a much better boxing game. It wasn't super uh, aggressive, but it was very on point with the jab, looking for straights. And you're you're looking at Grasso just all of a sudden becoming a more dangerous striker just to begin with and having a lot more, you know, well-rounded game coming into this fight, which was, you know, still impressive. But, you know, you know Valentina came back in with a lot more uh, grappling than I think she had wanted to. But, you know, Grasso was more, more than prepared for it. They both came in with very very determined game plans and it was a competitive fight like danger said like i wouldn't i don't think i would have been too upset because it was a close fight but i thought grasso was the rightful winner looking back at it i think that judge that scored it a 10 in grasso's favor i think he either misjudged a round or if i'm looking at it right and this is just me projecting he may have given the 10-8 to grasso to you know change his uh, score because he may have it, that fourth round was a little close but there's no way that fifth round is a 10 5 10 8 i don't know how you can score it a 10 8 but that's neither here nor there she ends she still retains the title even if it's a draw plus now that gives us a a third fight or a trilogy and which i think no one was you know happy about but especially shevchenko <laughs> But that does mean that the other two contenders, uh, Aaron Blanchfield and uh, Manuel Fiel, I don't, I don't know if I said that right, but they, they didn't really have the best fights optically. So they may have to fight each other, which, again, gives this division a little bit more time to give us new contenders. You know, that's fine. Um, flyweight's probably the best women's division right now, and it's exciting. This is I'm 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 excited for when this division holds, and also I am a little bit more biased than Grasso. I thought she did win. I I was picking her, but you know, hey, it was a good fight. Can't be can't complain. I got a one quick thing. What would you like to see next for the division? Like, what what where do we go from here? Like, Valentina doesn't get a rematch, right? I don't think so. I don't think she should. Because the problem is, if they give her a rematch, 
and she wins, that makes it two all. So then we have to have another one as well. So one fight is two. I just don't see it any other way. Unless, of course, Grasso beats her, then we don't have to see another rematch. There's no one you could give her right now, though, I don't think. Uh, I mean, uh, as far as the speaking, uh, Grasso. Technically, you can go with either Mano Fio or uh, Aaron Blanchfield. But even then, I don't think those are the right decisions because, you know, they... Blanchfield won her fight, fair enough. You know, so did Mano Fio, but, like, there's no... I, you could go with either option, and if we're just going to go with either option, you know, you might as well just go with the rematch. Um, but I guess at this point too, it's whether or not Valentina wants to stay at flyweight. You know, now that bantamweight is open, <laughs> that's, a that's good also point. something to consider to consider too. Yeah. Did uh, any of you guys catch Valentina afterwards talking about her injury to her thumb? No. God forbid. Yeah, she apparently no. injured her right thumb at some point during the fight. She was uh, in a cast type, air cast type thing in the post fight presser. Uh huh. Mm. I'm not sure how severe, but I thought that was. Uh, an, I, think, I think I did did see someone mentioning it, but I didn't pay that much attention. I certainly didn't see the press conference. Well, if I've learned anything from Pat Barry, it's you don't necessarily need a thumb <laughs> or every finger. digit. You know? That's all right. They don't need it. You don't need a finger right yeah. now. Fingers are optional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thumb is a finger, right? No. Well, no. A thumb is a thumb. So it's not a finger. No. It's a digit. A mandible? Before, before we dive off down some crazy weird... Um, you know, <laughs> I don't tangent here. Uh, something myself and uh, Nell Special were talking about before the show um, about uh, Valentina just gave up on uh, a kicking game after round one, mostly, uh, and she it seemed to be quite uh, popular. You know, she sorry, it seemed to be quite effective. Uh, it was. I, I always give a shout out where I hear it. So it was Lucas Tracy MMA. Who I heard give this take, and when I discussed it with Neil Special, we both thought it was uh, pretty valid. I don't know what the other two think about it. Yeah, it's a pretty good observation. I didn't really catch it in the moment. I, I didn't see it happening but now that you pointed out thinking back she did kind of abandon the kicking game that's strange for valentina yeah i remember her landing a good body kick like her good body kick uh you know Super i thought her, uh grasso's stance switching kind of might have shut it down a little bit but you know she did stop kind of using it later in the fight now that i think about it but some of that might have been from uh, Grasso constantly switching stance and maybe taking away some of those weapons. Do you think it's because she started to rely on more of her boxing instead rather than give other, like, uh, maybe maybe she was afraid of uh, bringing up a bad habit with uh, spinning kicks and she was like, a, a, like an unforeseen error where you would throw it with a, you get used to throwing kicks and you throw another kick. You're like, oh, crap, I probably should have done that. So I'll just focus on my boxing instead. That's interesting. It's possible. Yeah, it could have been part of the corner advice, maybe between rounds, you know, limit the kicks. Maybe she has a tendency to, when she gets too loose with the kicking game, to start throwing the spinny shit. It's like, it's like her body kick is kind of money. Like yeah, every time. Yeah. 
Like she threw it in both fights. It was pretty good. So I mean, her fucking kicks are violent. You ever seen her kick in the tree? Mm-mm. Oh God! There's, I seen a training video of her kicking trees before. It's fucking. I don't even know what to say about that. Going yeah. full blood sport, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Next up on the docket. Big Mouth, Kevin Holland, and three-name Jack met in a battle of ranked 170-pounders, going all three rounds and reaching the judges' scorecards for a split decision, with the nod going the way of Perth native Jack Della Maddalena. This marks now 14 wins in a row for JDM, with six coming inside of the UFC, seven if you include the Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, Holland continues to find himself bouncing between wins and losses, unable to find any real consistency, despite now training out of his own gym. I thought both men had their moments, but the cleaner, crisper strikes and combos definitely went Jack's way. Uh, Kev shined briefly at moments. However, I felt like JDM just did a really great job of closing distance and shutting down Holland's long-range weapons. Uh, it was another sort of lackluster performance from the proposed title contender, Della Maddalena, but a solid win against a big-name competitor. Uh, I still question Holland's goals and motives within the UFC itself, because it seems like his, his real motivation only lies with taking fights and, and making money, which that's fine, but uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, what does that mean for him going forward? Uh, if it's not the title he's chasing and it's just money, it's hard to predict his future. But what were you guys' uh, individual takeaways from this fight? And with the win, who would you like to see JDM tested against next? Um, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the people in this discord or just in general, were almost jumping off the Jack Del Mana train. If I'm not mistaken, uh, mainly because of his very tough, very last minute, you know, also cutting weight twice, a uh, very short amount of time against, uh, a, a very game opponent in Rafael this, uh, or Basil, uh, I believe was his name. <laughs> Uh, but uh, a very good grappler, very durable fighter. And it was just, you know, he a couple IQ, you know, you know, fight IQ mistakes that he did or made in that fight. And this is pretty much a return to form of what we saw prior against a much tougher opponent in Kevin Holland, more well-rounded opponent in Kevin Holland, a more capable opponent that has actually fought decent fighters, both middleweight and welterweight now. He, he showed up. And I'm, I'm actually impressed, and I was happy to see Jack Delmanis show up and actually prove the doubters wrong. I was ecstatic about this uh, fight. But that being said, I was happy to see an actual Kevin Holland who was motivated and prepared and wasn't trying to, you know, be lazy or, you know, not go for other, you know, uh, takedowns. Like, it showed him actually go for a takedown and, and try Jack actually showed up his uh, short up his defense uh, for takedowns a little bit, and that discouraged Holland right away. And Holland got caught a couple of times extending. Jack was clipped once or twice, but stayed you know calm and cool, collected. You'd see Holland overextending in the pocket, and then you know kind of have wonky footwork at times, get a little sloppy with his uh, combos. Jack just was the more accurate, the more um, precise striker, and it showed. I'm excited. The, the, I'm back. I was never off, but I'm definitely ready to see him face another top 10 fighter. Um, I, he was scheduled, I think, to go against Sean Brady. 
I would like to either see that or at a bare minimum him and Neil Magny or um, even uh, Michael Chiesa if he's still fighting. Um, <clears throat> I have my take on this. Uh, you know, after watching that fight, I came away like kind of just mad on the whole thing. I thought, the, you know, I went into the fight with huge expectations. I thought it was technical and it was kind of interesting but I was hoping for like a lot more violence or, you know, maybe someone to get rocked or more excitement. And, you know, I think, uh, JDM showed he's the better fighter than Kevin Holland. Just, uh, he didn't really show me anything that got me really excited about him in the future. Um, I thought it was, a, I was surprised it was a split decision. I thought it was a, a clean victory for JDM. It looks like all the media scored it for JDM. Uh, it was the same guy that did the 10-8 that gave the fight to uh, Kevin Holland. Um, but, I mean, it was kind of an enjoyable fight, but just it, I don't think it really delivered. Uh, I think the general discourse and discord was it was just kind of like uneventful overall and uh, just kind of bland, even though there was some good technique. Uh, as for what's next, I think... Uh, the only fight I really want to see is um, JDM versus Sean Brady. I know Austin men mentioned that, but that fight was booked before. I don't think Sean Brady belongs that high up in the rankings, so I think it's time we did something about that. And uh, it's a good matchup for JDM and a fight that I want to see. I mean, I like Sean Brady. He's a donk. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't deserve to be ranked that high. And uh, he needs to kind of get back to lower opponents and maybe rebuild. Yeah, what? No, just... What? I'll let Deja go first. Say? I'll let Deja go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, uh, an enjoyable enough fight. Uh, I maybe expected it to be a little more violent, as Dave, as Dave said. Uh, I thought, again, to use that Nixic phrase, the optics... Uh, we're very much in JDM's favor. I I just remember hearing a couple of really solid, solid sounding. God, my teeth aren't working. Uh, strikes from uh, body strikes from JDM on uh, on on Kevin. Uh, and uh, what else have I got? Um, there was I think there's about seventy seconds left in round two, and then JDM landed a, a five strike, a five punch combo. Uh, that's uh, Holling kept doing that thing where he was turning slightly away, uh, but JDM didn't want to have a go at taking his back, so instead he just lit him up with body punches whenever he did it. Um, no objection with the score. I could have quite probably quite happily given it all three rounds to JDM, but I have no objection with Holland stealing one. Um, so yeah, enjoyable fight on the whole. I think you have to consider that JDM was giving up seven or eight, seven or eight inches of reach, if I remember rightly. So it was having a little bit of different uh, difficulty closing the distance, I guess. As for who he should fight next, I'm just looking at the rankings now. Uh, Brady's not a bad call by uh, Dave. Uh, how about Ian Machado, Gary? That's a fun one. That's fun. Yeah, well, it's either, either that or you give him a top 10 an opponent, and that means Sean Brady or Vincent, Vicente Luque, one of those two. But I'd be quite happy with the Machado Gary uh, 
contest? I think it was Luke that mentioned last night in the uh, his live recap, JDM versus Luke. Oh, shit. That would be a banger. That would be a fucking scrap right there. Yeah, I don't know if I like that one. one. I don't know if I like that for Luke, though. <laughs> yeah, depending on which side of the coin you fall on there, that's... That's a bit of an iffy one because Luke would take some fucking shots. Mm-hmm. He always does, but JDM's fucking his boxing is pretty elite. Yeah, I would. I would if I'm in Luke's corner, I'm telling him to stay stay, uh, stay clear of Jackie three names. I don't need him to have another brain bleed anytime soon. <laughs> at least. Well, I think Luke is a more complete fighter. No, you're not wrong. I'm just saying, I just, you know, if I'm looking out for my fighter, I would say, no, let's just stay clear of this one for right now. <laughs> He's ranked number 10 right now. JDM's 14. Howland's 13. They'll probably switch places. Who's uh, 12 and 11? Uh, Neil is, uh, Neil Magny is 12, and uh, 11 is Ian Machado Gary. Mm. Give, give uh, yeah, I would say, honestly, it should be uh, Neil that he fights next. Neil's probably going to give him that clinch work that he needs to kind of figure out. Because I would say Michael Chiesa, but Michael Chiesa might just go to uh, you know being an analyst on the desk again. That that's a possibility. And then if you're going to book him with Sean Brady, um, that that wrestling might get to uh, Jack maybe, but. Again, his, you know, striking is definitely not where Jax is, and so it's it's a fair fight either way, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Bit of a classic grappler versus striker matchup in a sense. Yep. Not that not that Neil is exactly a classic grappler, but he is grappling heavy. Yeah, a lot of the clinch work he does. Yeah. All right, great observations and suggestions, boys. And with that, Noche has come and gone and a new day rises. After eight bout cancellations, numerous hiccups, and what seemed to have been a cursed card, we finally did it. Performance of the night bonuses were awarded to Raul Rosas Jr., Daniel Zellhuber, Lupita Godinez, Roman Kopilov, and Charlie Campbell. No fight of the night honors were given, at least according to Wikipedia, so we're going to do that here. It's time for our individual fights of the night. Now, you know, I'm going to go a little different here, and I'm going to choose a one-sided beatdown as my fight of the night. Loopy Godinez, let's fucking go. You want to talk about (laughs) a lacking? She went in there, and she whooped Elise Reed like she owed her money. Uh, Those hands were sharp. The the pressure was heavy. She even hit a beautiful takedown that got DC out of his seat. Uh, Now, granted, it's Elise Reed we're talking about here, but that was a gorgeous performance. I like how Loopy stays active, but she keeps improving seemingly from fight to fight. Uh, little tidbit. I would have really loved to have gotten the Gastelum Rachmana fight on this card, and I hope it gets rebooked. But uh, yeah, as far as my fight of the night, I'm gonna go with uh, Lupi Godinez. Yeah, it, it did. You do have to wonder how Reed survived that armbar attempt. But like, oh was yeah, that was nasty. Any moment. Ah, mm, 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 mm. uh, <clears throat> my fight of the night was actually. Uh, Raul Rosas Jr. versus Terrence Mitchell. Um, I hope I'm not stealing anyone's fight of the night there. Uh, 
I actually went in there expecting uh, Roses Jr. to lose again because I think Terrence Mitchell, I, he had a recent loss, but before that, he had a little streak going. And I thought he was like a legit fighter, but uh, Roses Jr. just kind of went in there at 18 years old and big brother this guy. Like, I don't know, uh, his striking looked a little bit better, but I think he just said kind of like, fuck the grappling and uh, went in there and landed some good punches. Uh, I, I don't think he's still, I'm still not sure if he's ready for the UFC yet, but I think it was a solid win and uh, kind of exciting. It's He's got this really unique look to him, and so when he's like throwing his hooks and stuff like that, it kind of looks neat, and when he attacks on the ground, uh, I thought it was a good performance for the kid. He's back on track, and just kind of a fun little scrap altogether, and I will give him my uh, Fight of the Night award. I'll go next. Uh, for me, it was the main event. I'm sorry. I know it's a low-hanging fruit, but <laughs> it, it, the fight actually went back and forth. You had Grasso, the standing champion, fighting the former champion in a main event slot that was pretty much... The, the promotion could have been better, but I thought I saw enough of it just to kind of you know get me excited for the fight. And you know, also, Dave did get me more invested into the card overall, but I'll say right now, that fight had me on the edge of my seat the entire time I was watching it. And uh, then again, I am a diehard, so it's not everybody's cup of tea. So <laughs> um, I'll say that one for me just because the uh, momentum shifts, the uh, the fact that you had to kind of look at the scoring criteria, that you had to actually kind of look at, okay, what's being applied? How How is uh, so-and-so countering the said attempt or, you know, the strikes being given? Is the damage enough to take that round? Is the position enough to give them control? It, there was a lot of momentum shifts that gave me enough inkling, okay, this is the fight of the night, at least for me. And then again, I have a little bit more of a, you know, softer spot for a main events like this. Yeah, I can, I can go two ways on this. I can go for my actual fight that I thought was a pretty good fight and deserves uh, mentioning, or I can go for the comedy version um where it's it's more down to the commentary than the actual fight itself so i'll start with my fight actual fight of the night campbell versus reyes you know reyes uh, older brother i believe he was um campbell from the from dana white's contender series uh had great hands looked very accurate um finished the fight pretty easily um, and then did the WWE style antics with DC when he was asking him, what do you think of my boxing? And just as DC tries to uh, explain what it is, the guy said, I don't care what you think about my boxing. Uh, not being into wrestling, I, I don't necessarily get, uh, get the reference uh, of that, but DC certainly seemed to appreciate it. Uh, and then the the funny, funny take for the night would be the... Um, Perez versus Lacerda fight um, with Chris Tonioni um, stops the fight thinking that Lacerda is unconscious when, of course, he isn't. Uh, the funny part of it was Dominic Cruz just constantly calling out, he's going to stop this fight and he's going to be wrong. And then I think John Anik might have chipped in and said, yeah, I think it's looking that way. And, of course, they were bang on the money. Tonioni messed it up. In all fairness to Chris... He did wrap his arm around the fighter at the end and say, look, mate, I'm sorry I messed up. Uh, I thought you were unconscious. Uh, so he owned it. Glad I'm glad the result was overturned into a no contest. 
But yeah, epically bad refing, I'm afraid. Move this man! Do you just run that one back? I mean, it got ruled a no contest, so there's always that possibility, but do we need to see it again? No, probably not, but, you know, I don't know what to do with either fighter. One was on a four-fight losing streak. <laughs> Valid. Wasn't he, he was close to tying the record, right? Yeah, well, if he'd lost, he would have tied the record, and he did lose. Uh, he should have lost. Uh, <laughs> That was not bad reffing by Chris Tyling. That was great reffing by Chris Tyling. Oh this God. motherfucker did the Brazilian tap, and the fight didn't get stopped. And so he, like, fake went limp. Like, you can literally see. Like, he kind of, like, does, like, a get, get limp motion. Like, the ref had no option but to stop that fight. Like, he literally, his arms, like, went limp. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as the ref stopped, he's like, no, what'd you do? What do you do? I don't know. That's the new move. And he was going to hope for a no contest. Like, that's big brain fight IQ. But the ref had no option. But just, Like, if a fighter's got, like, what you think is a choke, and he's not doing anything, and then he, like, his body just kind of goes limp and, like, falls, especially when he's getting held up, like, you have to stop the fight. I mean, I don't like the review. I think uh, the kid was fucking around, and he uh, played the system, and he won. He still only gets half of his purse, I think. Yeah, but he didn't tie the record for the most losses. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, probably, he probably gets another fight now in the UFC. Yep, yep bought himself another fight. Uh, someone online suggested, I don't, like, someone famous online suggested restarting the fights if both fighters agree, and I think they should lean into that. I don't think they legally can. Um, yeah, I think they should like, change the rules. I know, but uh, then we're trying to change everything. If we try to open Pandora's box, then the entire thing gets questioned. Yeah, they do have a tendency to not like to make any changes because if they make a change, it ha they have to admit they were wrong. And that's not their favorite thing to do. Yeah. I will say... Uh, see, that, say that kid fake going out. Like, we're yeah. putting if the ref gotcha. says he thinks he made a mistake and he's the one who called it, I'll, I'll, I'll lean towards that because that, Danger had pointed that out to me and I was kind of defending the call uh, when we were talking uh, before. Uh, and I, I was kind of leaning into the whole fighter safety thing. Like, he's not in the choke. How does he know what the, uh, the gentleman's uh, threshold is for, you know, going unconscious? But at the same time, if he, he went believes he made the call, if he believes that he made the wrong call, similar to how uh, we he, got, at he was gaslit, man. He was if gaslit. He, Just because he was gaslit doesn't mean... If he did, like, if he did, it was probably like uh, the situation similar to Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren. Right? It's a blood... Well, Robbie didn't go limp. He technically dropped his hand. Yeah, but he wasn't which like... alerted like, the ref. Is, like, I get what you're saying, but I feel like this was way more egregious. This was like... It was pretty fucking blatant, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you could. I don't. I don't see any way you could defend this guy if you're, if you're his PR team. <laughs> you're pretty fucked because that was that was bad, dude. We're talking about Tony. Well, no, I'm talking about uh, uh oh, whoever the, the 
Yeah, Mr. Limp Arm. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking the limp. The well, limp the game was just, I think game was just coming. Good on him. Yeah, I mean, more power to you. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, but. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, there was clearly a Brazilian tap before that, too. Like I did not see that. I, I had to look at it again until. Yeah, that's when then the replays it showed it. I think I'm like, oh, mm. maybe, but that's what made me think it was a real choke. Yeah, but either way, you know, it's a it's a shit decision against a guy who was 0-4 in the UFC. It was about to be 0-5, and you know, I think this was a Chirez's uh, first fight or second fight. Mm. No idea. Go to our resident stat guy. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. No, we had somebody. Hold on. Um, Uno Memento. And yes, this was his uh, second fight in the UFC coming off of uh, Taitsura Tyra Gloss. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that... Uh... This ought to lead us right into our next topic for the day, the concept of themed events moving forward. Now, we all know the UFC has long been a proponent of events that highlight certain nations or locales, but it appeared last night they fully leaned into it with the Noche event. Uh, We had multiple video packages and vignettes with notable Latinos narrating. There was mariachi bands during the ceremonial weigh-ins. We had Mexican music lead-ins for the commercial breaks, uh, the the works. They really rolled it out there. Uh, I personally, I found it to be a pretty awesome experience. But as a sports fan, I'm I'm big on the pageantry element of combat sports. And I I felt like this show really filled a uh, niche that the UFC tends to ignore. There was, like, times watching it, it kind of brought me back. Eh, Either or, here nor there. Potato, potato. But at times, it it, it kind of brought me back to the Pride days because of how uh, Pride was so fucking good at the, the, the pyrotechnics and the fucking crazy walkouts and all this and that. But I really feel like an occasional event with more pomp and circumstance like this can elevate a simple fight night to a big pay-per-view feel. So I'm curious as to you guys' thoughts on whether this concept worked or or was it a bit too cliche and on the nose? So uh, are you for themed cards or eh? I I can jump in first because to be honest with watching the fights today, rather than watching them live last night, um, I I missed, I I tend to skip through a lot of the uh, stuff that's in between fights. So I I probably missed a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I have no objection in theory. But I think, generally speaking, you know, if it's an English card, I want to see English fighters. If it's a French card, I want to see French fighters. You know, whichever country is being hosted, and I expected to to see them being represented. I don't really really know if I need a particular day because obviously, you know, Mexican Independence Day. I guess it's good for business, but obviously for the vast majority of the world, it doesn't mean anything. Probably most people didn't even know it was uh, or wouldn't have known. If it wasn't pointed out, um, I mean, what what next? Are we going to have Halloween fight night, or you know, if... everyone turning up in zombie makeup? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, 
So, so yeah, I, I don't care either way. If they want to do them, they can do them. It doesn't bug me if they do. I don't care if they don't either. Either. I didn't mind it. Um, looking at the card, you would like there to be a more, you know, Mexican-based presence. But I mean, the fans showed up. I mean, around here, and I live in, you know, California, and there's pretty much like out of you know every ten cards, half of them had Mexican flags on them. It was nice, you know, but. Um, the passengery around the card was just, you could tell right off the bat that they were trying a little more than usual, which is nice, you know, but do I need it? Eh, you know, like a dangerous citizen, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, have it, but I'm definitely not going to push it away if it's there, you know, it gives the card a little something else to work with, but, you know, at the same time, as long as the fighters are there, that if they're trying to push it, that would be nice. Um, but, you know, it, this is one of those things I think they ended up just kind of having what they had on the night instead of just, you know, trying to actually plan for an event. The, the way the matchmaking works, they, they kind of left it to be desired. But I think it, it turned out all right in the end. I think that they uh, they went pretty hard on it because how how much of a hard-on Dana has for Mexican fight fans and how much he wants to incorporate that market into the UFC. It's always been a big, big driving point of his, but I, I think like my thing really is, is they should fully lean into this when they like danger was saying, you know, when they go to England or they go to Paris or they go wherever they typically have whatever the nation is that they, they'll have, you know, their fighters on the cart. But if you're going to do that, you might as well lean into it a little more, have, you know, uh, Parisian music packages or, you know, uh, if you're in England, have well-known English celebrities doing the voiceovers or whatever it might be, just kind of, you know, uh, instead of just, instead of just lining the card with, with locals, you know, give it a little bit extra flair for wherever you're at. I guess we could jump in. I think it's April and we could have a St. George's Day uh, fight uh, celebration. (laughs) Yeah, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> yeah, who, I don't know who St. George is, but... St. George, George is the patron saint of England. You know, like St. Andrew for Scotland, um, David for Wales. He's our patron saint. So. Yeah, yeah, they fucking go for it. I just, I think, you know, it, it, it gives the events a big-time feel, even if it's not the, the most packed card. You know, like that was just a fight night, and like people were saying, I kind of agreed. It had almost like a pay per view feel a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice. It'd, I think it'd be nicer to have it on the Apex cards, but I mean, they'll, they'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you worry. We're back to the Apex next oh, week. God damn it! Actually, that's a perfect segue. Uh with that, it's time to take a quick moment to glance ahead at the upcoming card next weekend. I'm, of course, talking about Rafael Fazee versus Mateusz Gamrot, live from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The Kazakhstan-born Fazee enters coming off of a tough loss to Justin Gagey back in March at London's O2 Arena. Poland's Gamrot returning off of a similar timetable, coming in 1-1 one one in his last two with a win over Jalen Turner and a loss to Benny Dariush. 
Uh, are there any bouts you guys would like to highlight here ahead of time from this upcoming card? Um, I'll, I'll go first. Um, looking at the card right now, uh, we have, I mean, Bryce Mitchell versus Danny Gay. I mean, interesting how Bryce is coming off of, I believe, uh, is it two losses now? If I'm not mistaken. And he's fighting Danny Gay, who's always a tough out no matter what. Um, I mean, granted, I mean, Bryce's last uh, loss was actually just a single singular loss to uh, Tapuria and hasn't been able to fight since. But um, I'm interested to see if Mitchell can bounce back or not. Ige is always a tough out, never an easy fight for anybody. I think if anyone, you know, anyone can, uh, you know, give Mitchell a tough fight, it's also Ige. And I think Ige has the ability to, you know, meet him, you know, not, not, you know, not get run over, but I think he could give him a tough fight no matter what. Um, I think the, uh, the other one would have been Marina Rodriguez against Michelle Waterson, but I don't know where Michelle Waterson now is in her career, whether or not she's just fighting to just stay busy or if she wants to still be a contender. Um, Marina is coming off of multiple losses now and, she was considered to be an actual contender in this division. And I'm kind of wondering whether or not she's staying or going at this point. I got a quick question for you. Uh, you pointed out the Bryce Mitchell fight. You think his head's in the game? You know, have you, are you familiar with what's been going on with him? Uh, here and there, I hear things when, you know, people talk about it, like they mentioned something on the podcast, I think a while back, but isn't it like something like X going after him or something like that? Yeah, like so Oh, go ahead. I saw a video of him today complaining about the weight cut. I don't know if he was joking or or what. I, I don't know if that's his sense of humor. Uh, but he was eating a slice, a slice of pizza and saying how hard the weight cut was. So I don't know how to take that. <laughs> Yeah, he, like, freaked out on social media saying that, like, his girlfriend, like, killed all his fruit trees and, like, kidnapped his dog or something like that. Yeah. And so then, then she went live on social media and had, like, showed Bryce, like, break the window at the house. And, like, I guess the dog's, like, afraid of him. And she had to get the dog out of, like, someplace. And, you know, he's just, like, turns out he's kind of trash. Oh, you mean he wasn't a and, uh, person to begin with? No. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I mean, he's got a lot going on outside the octagon too. Like, I mean, that tends to happen. I don't want to. Every fight's better like that. <laughs> I don't want to alienate a whole state, but that sounds like typical Arkansas to me. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's like, well, that tends to happen. Trouble seems to follow you when believe when you believe the earth is flat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I always I always say this is why I don't dig into fighters' personal lives very much. <laughs> I just prefer to watch them fight for the most part. Yeah, that's that's fair. He's thug, he's thug, na- he's thug nasty, not thug nicey. <laughs> that's very. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I think though, on this card coming up, I think there's actually a lot of good matchups, like Tim Means versus Andrew Fiajo or whatever his name is. Uh, that should be fun. Uh, Mohamed Usman fighting Jake Collier. I don't know what Jake Collier. He's one of those heavyweights that's like Dawkins level, but you know you get to see Usman's younger, bigger brother. I think fight. Yeah, I think he's younger brother. Yeah. Yep, younger, bigger. And uh, 
Oh, Hannah Goldie, she's always uh, can't miss TV. Uh, I think she's on uh, BC's list. Yeah, that's but actually. The... Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the fight I'm mostly looking forward to is uh, Charles Jordan versus uh, Ricardo Ramos. Uh, Charles Jordan is, you know, like can't miss fights normally, and I, uh, I think he's coming off a beatdown of Cron Gracie, so it should see it should be fun to see what energy he brings into this fight. Always good to catch an Air Jordan fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, m- mine. Uh, I'm actually going to go back to what the fight you just mentioned with Hannah Goldie, but I'm going the other way. Uh, I'm most excited to see the return of Mizuki Inoue. Uh, for those that don't know, Mizuki is a Ray Longo product. She was been with Longo for a long while. That's the the whole way I know about her is from the Anakin Florian podcast. But she's coming off of a three-year layoff, I believe. Yeah, she's been out since August 22nd of 2020. That was her last fight. But uh, prior to that, yeah, she, she's had her, her, her slight ups and downs, but majority ups. Uh, possibly a bright future ahead of her. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see what she's got left in the tank at 29 after a three-year layoff coming out of that Sarah Longo fight team. What about you, Danger? You got anything you're looking at? Sorry, much like Dave on a uh, Saturday night, I had a mouthful of nuts there. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) What I put in my mouth is none of your business. Danger not spilling all my secrets. It's all right. You don't edit. It's fine. You don't edit this out anyways. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> promises, promises. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, let's give it a couple of seconds and I'll jump back in. Yeah, I think for me, obviously the main event looks quite interesting. Um, and a fight that isn't the main event. I have a soft spot for Bryce Mitchell, despite all these ridiculous uh, antics outside of the cage. Uh, you know, fighters, for me, uh, when they make an impact on me uh, that I remember from day one, they, that those fighters don't come along that often. And Bryce Mitchell uh, spending 15 minutes trying to get Charles Rosas, uh, Rosa sorry, into uh, into a twister uh, just stuck with the uh, he had the mass. I think it's thirty twenty four, thirty twenty five, thirty twenty five uh, card score. So uh, Bryce always sticks in my mind. Uh, I think Ige should pose him a challenge, but if Bryce is on his game, he should get it done. I think. Uh, so yeah, that's my, that's my fight. I'll be looking forward to on the card. Another fight, uh, this this card's actually really good. I mean, I was looking at this uh, earlier in the week when I was writing this stuff for this episode, and I didn't I didn't want to look ahead too much because really looking forward to this card. We got the return of Brian Battle coming yeah. off of a big, big win uh, last time around in his in his hometown, Charlotte. It's gonna be nice to see what he can do on the main card. Uh, like you mentioned, Dave, Timmy means business. Mm-hmm. Coming coming out against Fialo, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Miles Johns, always a pretty fun guy to watch. Yeah, this all in all, I think this is going to be a pretty good card. 
Yeah, well, then that main event, too, like, I'm yeah. really curious if uh, Fazeev will be able to keep uh, Gamron off of him. Like, I think Muay Thai fighters kind of tend to do well sometimes against wrestlers, but I don't know how that one's going to play out. I really hope he can hold them off him. Yeah, looking at it, I I, I I like the matchup stylistically. I hate the matchup in the meritocracy standpoint just because, I mean... They're right there at the top. It sucks that they have to fight each other. You know, I mean, especially coming off a of loss. Yeah. <laughs> should have to should have to fight someone like Michael Chandler, or, you know, Dustin Poirier. You know, those guys need wins, and but you know, nobody wants to fight unless they're ranked higher. <laughs> should be a good fight regardless. Well, don't forget, Fazeev did did get to have his match against Gaethje and lost it. So. Yeah. You can't really hate no. him for not getting a high-level opponent. It would just be nice to see the guys have to fight backwards every so often. And like okay. Gaethje did, um, you know, we're all trying to sit on uh, – they're all trying – I mean, when you get the ranking, I guess you do want to hold on to it a little bit longer. Yeah, no, I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I like the idea of having a lot of uh, contenders in a division. And, like, whoever loses this fight definitely has a lot of work to do before they're going to be a contender again. So Yeah. Maybe match them up with someone that's not really there, and uh, you know, not eliminate a contender. Yeah, that's that's kind of the downside of uh, the UFC model of they like to match up two guys coming off of losses, so at least one of them gets a win. But it's going to be rough to see either of these guys sitting on two L's in a row. Yeah, in this Shark Tank division. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a fucking slobber knocker of a fight. I can tell you that much. Agreed. Yeah, it should be a good one. Hopefully. <laughs> I hope it's not 25 minutes. Why, would, why would you say that? Why would you do that to this? Well, I mean, you know. Don't. Evidently, Wallenstahl's the new meta after the uh, Blanchfield performance. Oh, so Jesus. don't be surprised. Oh, my God. Did. Did you okay? You know what? No, I was gonna save this for like, not even this. You know what? No, I'm not gonna. You know what? No, can't have this. I mean, you want to cheer for your boy uh, Raul Rosas Jr. I think he's shit. He just happened to. He just happened to get one good fucking right hand or left. I'm sorry, it was left hook. Left hook at the end of his left hook, he managed to get a guy who was off balance, flat footed, and jumping in and out of position. And of course, all he had to do was throw the left hook. God forbid that he actually learned how to strike. Let's just go ahead and swing punches while we're here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Trying to talk bad about Blanchfield like that. Get out of here with that. I, I did put in my uh, notes that uh, Rose's uh, strikes landed per minute have definitely gone up. Uh, you know, something to notify Luke Thomas because I think both of these guys landed less than one strike per minute <laughs> yeah, prior to this fight. Mind-boggling. Right boy. He's not my boy. I just enjoyed the fight and I enjoyed the performance. I thought he looked like a beautiful disaster for a while. <laughs> With his body shape and style, you know, it just kind of looks like some kind of weird AA art gone wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. It's fun, it's it's fun to watch. And then, you know, he won, and everyone was all happy. And good time. He might, not, he might not be your boy, but he is still a boy. <laughs> yeah. Still a growing boy. Mm-hmm. Is that just that? I, I hope he's point. not still growing. I mean, at least not in the face. Just, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. 
but it is going to one interesting point about Rosas is it's going to be interesting to see what weight class does he actually end up in because still being just 18 you got to think he's going to continue to put on muscle mass right oh 100 percent yeah he looks kind of super wiry and unnatural right now he's probably normally like 155 pounds or some shit like that yeah naturally walking around yeah yeah still still don't like it you still don't like it. You should just be getting so. We're, so we've come to the conclusion: the sky's the limit for Rosas Jr. No, you can't <laughs> say anything yet. One thirty-five, one forty-five, one fifty-five, triple champ. No, not yet. Youngest in UFC history, baby. Don't do that to him. Don't do that. He is him. on track to become the youngest UFC champion in history. He's he's <laughs> in Bantamweight. Are you kidding me? He needs a ten-fight win streak just to get there, and then on top of it, like. 45 is packed. No, they'll push him through. Oh, my God. And he's, he's even got time for a 10-fight win streak. I, that's what, I mean, he's that, 18. All I'm saying is to just give him time. We don't need to, like, promote him as if he's the next coming of George St. Pierre or something. Like, come on. He's still... Here's what you do. You book him with Umar. And if he beats Umar, you give him a... See, What's his face? Sean O'Malley. He won't even submit him. He'll just <laughs> literally pound him into dust and then we'll be like, whatever happened to that kid? Oh, he never made it back. Never made it out of the cage. Well, yeah. Those things happen in MMA. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, got a, he got an extra 50 Gs last night, and he already bought his mom a new minivan. So what's he going to do with this money? Down payment on a house. I don't have any real intro to this, so I'll just freestyle it. <laughs> Would you, you want to beat? Drop the beat, Dave. I can't do it. I can't do it. Mouth, mouth beat. What the boombox? What's the mouth beat thing? Where you do the beatboxing? <laughs> oh shit! All right, guys. Uh, we're we're gonna wrap this thing up here with a uh, just a little fun segment. Not anything too serious. So we're going to shout out some of our favorite donks around the Discord here that aren't on the show, but uh, we want to give them a little bit of love and put the spotlight on them. So, guys, go ahead and uh, take it away and shout out your donks. Uh, I'll go first. Shout out to Aussie, because uh, he had mentioned, I think, uh, yesterday that he had put out a, um, I think, uh, some pretty interesting bets out there. I think he somehow came up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know if he wants me to say it out loud, but uh, <laughs> it was a good. It was a good call because I think it ended up being what the main event ended up happening. Uh, the result of the main event, more or less. Well, I think it was a long shot too, but you know, I, hey, shout out to Aussie. That man is a genius. <laughs> He's also a great dude all around. Yes, he is. Good guy. Well, I guess I could shout out uh, my best friend, who I think doesn't get nearly enough love on Discord. Um, our fearless leader, Captain V, the Pickle King. Uh, we tried to have, have him on the show before, but he couldn't make it. And, you know, Captain catches a lot of flack in the Discord. And what people that listen to the podcast should know is he comes across as an asshole. But he really isn't like that at all. 
like he just kind of posts like a terrible person and tries to start trouble and stuff and talks a lot of shit. <laughs> but in reality, like you have to understand, he's like five four, and he's just kind of angry at the world. But deep down, he's like a good person. He's actually really nice and stuff. It's just he doesn't know how to express himself, and he's really emotional. And so you just have to be really careful if you ever interact with him. But deep down, like without Captain V, this place would never have happened. He's uh, always in a pickle, but he is our leader. Without him, this podcast never would have happened. Just don't pay attention to anything he says and realize that even when he's trying to be nice, he comes across like shit, but he doesn't mean it. <laughs> and fuck that guy. Here, here. Yeah. I'll I'll jump in I'll jump in now. Uh, myself and Lemonak Mello uh, last night were having quite a long conversation with Warden about the um, whether Aljo should have um, taken the fight against uh, O'Malley so quickly and whether he was being rushed into it and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't think either myself or Lem were are really Aljo fans. We don't care that he lost. Uh, we just believe that Dana White pushed him into that. So uh, shout out to Warden because it was a very entertaining uh, hour or so that we had spent bouncing messages backwards and forwards. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess I'll give my shout out to... Uh, first, I want to shout out the man in black, the very mysterious man in black. Doesn't say a lot, doesn't post a lot, but he's a hell of a fucking guy when it comes to fight predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, always, always at the top of the leaderboards. So shout out to the man in black for all that he does there. And then uh, my second shout out, I got a shout out Podium Baby. Podium Baby fucking holds it down. Without that guy, we'd all be up shit creek without a paddle because, you know, I think that the fight predictions is one of the main things that draws folks into this discord. So along with Dave's quiz. Dave is the quiz. Yeah, PB is great for that. Thank you very much, PB. We really appreciate you for helping with that. Shout out to PB. The man, the myth. The legend. Hold on, am I still in the leaderboard on that quiz? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll, I'll do a quick social, social media shout-out as well to uh, Mojahed Fudilat. I, I don't entirely know how you pronounce his second name. Uh, he did an absolute... He does lots of fun animated videos. But his videos about Sean Strickland winning this week were so funny, especially Dana's his Dana's excuses to rematch Strickland versus Adesanya, um, just with Sean effortless, effortlessly blocking everything that Dana throws at him, whereas everyone else gets slapped around the face by Dana. So yeah, shout out to him. He does some very entertaining stuff. Yeah. All right. Anybody got anything else for the shout outs? Oh, I've, I've just realized, just just remembered something that I promised to do uh, last night. So give me give me a second and I'll jump in. <laughs> I can only imagine what this is going to be. <laughs> okay, one, two. So I, I listened, uh, I, I couldn't get in on Friday uh, for the uh, pre-show uh, UFC Noche uh, show, but um, I did obviously listen back to it. And uh, Dave came out with this wonderful idea that Jared Cannonier would beat Sean Strickland because he'd already beaten him. 
And I have to roast him a little bit on that because, first off, that fight was very, very uh, sketchy. You could easily give Sean that match. Uh, I do agree that Cannonier probably stole it on uh, optics, that, that word again. Uh, he did land the heavier shots. But I think Sean now, how much Sean has improved since he fought that fight, I think Sean would destroy uh, Cannonier. I don't think there would be any doubt who won that fight if it was rerun again. So, yeah. That was all I really wanted to uh, slag Dave off for. I'm not really sure that Sean has improved. I don't think you can make an argument for it. I think he was just tailor-made to be Izzy, and he was good at following the game plan that night. I think he's still the same fighter he's always been. Well, what's the thing? You get 30% better when you become a champion? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think... Yeah, well, how much better did fucking um, Grasso look last night? Did she look 30% better? I thought she did. <laughs> now Tina. You thought she looked 30% better than the first fight. If you want to argue optics, okay, no. But at the same time, Valentina... She looked exactly the same, didn't she? No. She looked exactly the same. No, I thought same. she looked good. No? Valentina showed up. You thought she looked better than the last fight? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> argue with me this, please. Are you saying... No, I mean, are you saying that? She looked better than the last fight. Are you saying Valentina didn't look like she wasn't the same? No, I'm saying that Grasso looked about the same level as she was last fight, or maybe even a little bit worse. She lost 5% since the last fight. I don't think so. Valentina just had to Well, she finished Valentina the last fight, and this fight, it was a uh, close decision. Which Grasso could have won, should have won. Well, because Valentina threw away the fight at the end. Oh, my God. (laughs) Grasso didn't. I don't see how you think she looked better at all, especially another 30% better. I think, if anything, she was like 90 percent. She could have fought, and she still did pretty damn well. I'm just saying, it was kind of the same Valentina as always. Not really, and she did worse than last time. This is a little different. This Valentina also showed up her. Yeah, she's a little older. Oh my, a little older. Oh my god, a little slower, (laughs) a little longer in the tooth. You know, this is just because time I, waits for no man. This is, well, no woman. This is just because I, I no Valentina. I, I did. I gave my take on Raul Rosas. That's that's the only reason why you're fighting this. No, I'm just saying that, that doesn't make sense at all. Like, how how could she be thirty percent better if like she did worse this time? You say this as if this is not a thing that can happen. <laughs> like, I didn't see anything from her that looked thirty percent better. Like she, like she. You become did a little worse this you time. You become thirty percent better like, than what well, you were. Well, a little bit better this time. Mm. But that's a myth. It's not obviously. Sean Strickland did that. <laughs> no, Str- Sean Strickland hasn't had a chance to become one hundred thirty percent because he hasn't defended yet. You assumed he was seventy. <laughs> yeah. Well, like look at like Chris Weidman got worse. That's uh, Luke Rockhold, Mike, but like most champs actually get like 30% worse. I think it depends on the, on the time that they become champion in their career. Yeah. That's what it's Does anyone else think that Grasso looked 30% better last night? Yeah, I wouldn't say 30%. I, you know, she might have looked a little bit better, but I think it was hard to tell because I think Valentina cleaned up a lot of her mistakes that she made in the first fight. I think she uh, she she was a more refined version of herself. Obviously, they game planned 
better for this fight. They eliminated some of the bullshit. So I think it's kind of hard to gauge whether Alexa looked better or not because Valentina looked better. Yeah. And she That's you know, true. I just didn't see anything like new from Brass, so it made me think she got better. A little bit better but... takedown defense and a little bit more uh you know willing to engage uh in the uh, uh counter grappling, which was something that she wasn't able to do in the first part as well. Who do you have next for Strickland, Danger? That's a good question. If if it was my choice, I would actually have Sean fight Cannoneer. I think he has every right as champion to call someone out who beat him, especially in such a close decision. Whichever way you want to score it, it was I think it was three two, whichever way you're gonna score it. Um so yeah, I'd like to give uh, Sean a chance to get that that loss off his record. I think as a champion he should have the right to call him out. Uh, the problem is I do agree that Drickus has every right to have the next shot at the championship. So that's a horrible question. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. just strictly on if Sean had his choice, I don't, I don't really see why Sean couldn't call him out. All the champions have got away with that kind of uh, stuff. Bisbing did it. He called out Henderson, who in no way deserved a shot at Should the time. Should have been Robert. At that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think as a champion, you should get a little leeway, which, again, Aljo did not get. Uh, he just got stuffed into his next match. But I know, Sean, he will fight whoever the UFC put in front of him. I got it. I got yeah. it. I know what you do. I know what you do. You give Drakus the fight because, A, he's going to be healthy by the time um, Sean wants to fight again. Sean fights often and didn't sustain a bunch of damage in this fight. Izzy should take about six months off. <laughs> six months off, just no fighting, no contact, no nothing. You pair a cannoneer. Well, you can't give. Wait, what do you mean? But you can't. You can't give Drickus the fight. You like, can you because can't. they're going to need a main event. Because no, no, because Dana already said no. He's already walking. He doesn't like when people do that. If you give Drickus the fight, then you're setting the precedent. You're setting the precedence that you can say no, and you can still get the fight. And so you can't Dana set that precedent. So like constantly. he shouldn't even be. He's okay with that. When has Dana ever name one time when Dana's contradicted? Oh my himself. God, are we really going to go down this path right now? <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> I was just curious. Um, I he he has no issue being hypocritical. He he's done it many a time. This, I think that he, if the UFC wants an active champion, they have one in Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland will defend against whoever. He's not going to be yeah. picky. Matter of fact, he might not even care if it is Kennedy or, or Drakeus. He might even just take the rematch with Izzy because the UFC wants that fight. If that is that smart matchmaking? No, because you need Izzy to kind of take time off just to kind of figure out whether or not he is going to be a guy who can retake the belt. And if you, if you are going to make more money with Izzy as champion, wouldn't you want him to have a better camp, be better prepared in the long run? Even if he might not even have to have a tune-up fight or a number one contender fight, he might just get the rematch just because he's a former champion. So I would prefer him to get a tune-up fight. I would prefer Izzy to take time off and then come back maybe six months after, you know, get some fight booked down. Maybe the loser of Kamzat and, you know, um, uh, Paulo Costa, you have Roman Delice, who's, you know, 
out in the wings off of a loss to Vittori. Vittori's coming off of two losses. Ken Mears coming off of two wins. Uh, Drakis is coming off of a whole win streak in the division. Uh, Robert's coming off of a loss to Drakis. Uh, the division's a mess, you know? <laughs> there's no there's no absolute number one contender. The only one who's closest enough is Drakis. Yeah. If Izzy's is going to get an inst- well, is going to be pushed forward into the rematch, it needs to be soon. I think Sean would want to fight before Christmas, and that's what should happen. Izzy shouldn't have the option to push it to one side and say, I want to fight in April or whenever the hell he wants to fight. Uh, he, he fights at the pace the champion sets because that's the rule he himself has set. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like he, there's no mm-hmm. reason to push that okay. fight immediately either. Like they waited a while for Izzy to get a rematch against um, Pereira as well, didn't they? A little while, yeah. yeah. I, I did check while we were arguing about this. I did check uh, Izzy's record uh, to see how much space he'd have between fights. His fastest turnover of fights was when he went up to 205, lost, and then came back down. And I think that was around the three-month uh, space between the fights. Every fight after that, it's four-plus months uh, that he's taken. Which, I'm not, don't get me wrong, he's the most active champion probably ever in the UFC. No, that's... that's but, yeah, yeah, that's very... Curious, mm-hmm. what's, uh, do, you, do you happen to see Strickland's... Uh... Wasn't there a a tweet or something from Strickland recently where he said that he's uh, on a forced vacation right now? He's having basically, his, yeah, his his toe got splashed uh, up, so he's had a few few days off sparring. Uh, sparring, sorry. Oh, uh, okay. I wasn't sure what he was referring to by that. I didn't know if that meant you know they were shelving him for a Great period of time it. or something. I mean, that'd be something to consider too. Like, oh well, we don't want to use you just yet, right? Yeah, but I'm looking. He's been pretty active. Strickland has. Yeah, he's. Have you got it open? Like three fights in 2022, three fights in 2023. Okay, so it's a bit, a bit early to start speculating, but I've heard talk also that they're they're starting to plan for 300. So they're looking ahead at what kind of champions they're going to be able to schedule around then. I don't know if Strickland's going to fall into that or whoever the middleweight champion is at the time, but that's why I'm saying, yeah, we're almost there. You might as well just save Izzy for a rematch with whoever the champion is or a a date with the title for that. That would probably make more money for them. Strickland at uh, in New York with on the John Jones and Stipe card. What co-main event, maybe? Yeah, that's one thing. So yeah. Strickland and uh, Duplessis. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, like I just said, I'd be happy to see Cannonier, but Drickus deserves the fight. So. Yeah. Is uh, D- DDP's all healed up? And ready to go? He should be. He should. Be. He should be. Yeah. Yeah, with that. And and if he turns if he turns a fight down with Sean at this uh, rate of notice, then Dana has every right to say sod off, you know, go back to South Africa and uh, start yeah. fighting again for another chance. Right. I'm I'm looking at that fight card right now. It's got Brunson on it still. <laughs> so, well, we know that's it is in New York though, right? So yeah, it would yeah. justify the ticket prices being jacked up if they put two titles on it. 
You're right now. The co-main is Andrade versus. Yeah, that's not going to sell that note. That's not great. No, not uh, MSG. Those tickets, no, no. But yeah, you slap Strickland DDP on there for the strap. Who do you pair? Well, yeah. That's the other thing too. Who you, who who do we pair who with at the end of it? I mean, you can't put uh, Vittoria and Robert together because Robert already just beat him. And then. Um, Cannoneer is waiting in the wings probably as the next contender if Izzy isn't ready. You probably just match him up with, um, honestly, Whitaker. But then again, you also have Costa and Kaza. Or Ka- or Shab- God damn it. Fucking, I kill everybody. You know, he's. <laughs> Kamzat. Yeah. Kamzat. Kamzat. Thank you. He, if he wins, he might have a number one title uh, contendership just in line just for beating Costa. But if Costa wins, he's right back in the mix too. He's coming off a win over um, Luke Rockhold. Like, yeah. The division's got movement. It has, yeah. Strickland has really shaken things yes, up. Yes, he has. Yeah, because that was Izzy that kind of turned down the notion of, uh, well, Izzy and Dana that turned down the notion of DDP getting the fight, and he was saying maybe the winner of uh, Costa versus Kamzat, but... You know, Strickland's a company man, like Danger said, so who knows what we're going to get. Probably DDP, now that I think about it. They're going to want somebody who's active, somebody who's going to defend, you know, doesn't ask questions. Costa is a guy who gives them headaches more often than not. Comzat can't fight consistently because yeah. he's stuck in wherever he is. So, Yeah. Yeah. You have the entire Ramadan breaks and everything. You're back to the... Uh, uh, Khabib uh, kind of situation, maybe one one defense a year. Whereas, you know, Sean, you'll get two or three defenses should he hang on to the belt. Uh, so I don't, I don't think Hamzat makes a great choice for the USC. Unless he can, I, I'm not sure what his visa issues are, uh, whether he can fight in Europe, I presume he can. That's the other thing so too, that, yeah. That's good to mention that because we don't even, he has a hard time getting back into the US on a regular basis. I almost think that they they prefer keeping him over there too, just because that's where the yeah, Abu Dhabi, at. right? Yeah, you throw him on one of those cards, and it's it's a packed house. I think your uh, keeps him on a short leash too, so he can't travel very far because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be wrong. Jan pulled in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we wrap this yeah, thing up, guys? Yeah. Yep. All right, all right, guys. If I let these donks keep going, they'll go all night. So there it is, everybody. Episode 5 of Just Bleed Radio. UFC Noche is history, and we're on to Fazeev versus Gamrot. For myself, Danger Mouse, No Special, Super Dave Fairtex, and all of us here at the show, we thank each of you for tuning in. And until next time, don't sweat the petty stuff, and don't pet the sweaty stuff. <laughs> that, was, that, was that was good. Very, very good. <laughs> <laughs>